Hi, my name's India. This is Be More Orca, Buck the Menopause. Now, I'm not a medic, or an expert, or a celebrity. I'm just going through it myself. I was totally blindsided by my symptoms. I knew nothing about this stage of my life. And then I discovered neither did any of my friends. So I'm on a mission to find out everything I can, explore every avenue to help us manage our symptoms and get our lives back on track. We all know that navigating the early stages of our menopause can feel impossible at times. The symptoms sneak up on us and get subsumed into the stresses of our everyday lives. Having someone to talk to can be a lifeline. And in this episode, I'm chatting to Lou and Lizzie about how much they helped each other recognise what was happening. Hello, lovely ladies. Thank you very much for coming and chatting to me today. I really, really appreciate it. We'd better go round the virtual room so people can put a name to a voice. Hello, I'm Louise. Hello, I'm Lizzie. Now, you two have been friends all your lives, haven't you? Yep. (laughs) Since you were babies? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, one, two, that kind of age. We lived in the same road. Lived ten doors away. (laughs) And so you've obviously been incredibly close all your lives. Did that help when it came to navigating the menopause? Did you confide in one another when it was happening and what was happening? Definitely. Yes. We talk about it quite a bit, don't we? Love to chat about it. When we speak on the phone every two or three weeks, it's always covered. And like today, when I ordered my collagen powder, it's a text to say, order this, I'll get back to you (laughs) when I feel amazing. (laughs) Definitely love to share a project and a potion. Yeah, we do. That's good. And so you felt you were supported when you were going through it? Because I think one thing that people feel very alone and you feel as though you're going mad, don't you? And you don't know what it is. Mm. So have you two been there to be one another's support bubble and say, actually, I'm not going to use the word bubble. I bloody hate COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd go as far as to say that actually it helped us identify that that's what it was, because I think originally certain things like really bad wind, that was one of my first, I mean, I, I had no idea that was, and anxiety as well. And bearing in mind I work in mental health actually anxiety just being able to attribute it to that you know I think we actually helped each other identify that that's what it was partly definitely in the early stages like all your little symptoms are coming together and it happening not far shy of when we've had children it was quite nice to talk about identify this is what it is because you're both now 45 is that right 46 this year yeah I'm 46 You're both far younger than the perceived menopausal age. And Lizzie, you think that you've had symptoms for five years already, so pretty soon after you turned 40. I think pretty much after I turned 40, I felt like all of the being irrational and all the mood swing type symptoms, definitely. And it was really hard because that wasn't that long. Edward was still quite young and the boys were young and you sort of, every time you think it's a phase of something else. So I think it probably did start around then definitely but apparently the perimenopausal if you believe it all can last up to 10 years the joys yeah 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 sadly yeah um louise were yours all 
mental to begin with then, apart from the wind. I didn't even know wind was a was a menopausal symptom. No, my first symptoms were indigestion and wind. But when I'm, I mean, I mean sort of ridiculous wind, you know, and sort of indigestion. And I remember actually speaking to my GP and her saying, you know, that can be a sign of menopause and perimenopause. And I didn't know. Oh, wow. And definitely the brain fog, but just sort of feeling overwhelmed. But I would say what I hear a lot from people as well and, you know, through work, but also just people generally, if you say to someone it could be perimenopause, if they're under 45, a lot of the time the response I've heard is, oh, well, I'm too young. Yeah. I think it's the perimenopause people don't really, it's not on their radar. And a lot of the symptoms you don't realise could be that because you just put it down to other things. And I think it is also having kids later, as Lizzie said, you have kids later. So you just think, oh, well, I'm tired because of that. Or I feel like this because of them or my hormones still haven't settled. I mean, it's just, you know, I think that's a big part of it, really. Yeah, they can be so easily attributed to just normal life stresses, can't they? And it's hard to pick it apart and work out what is and what isn't. Yeah, and I think that's what keeps you going and prevents you going to the doctor because you just keep attributing it to the children and the fact you've got a young family. So you think, oh, in six months, I'll get my sleep back and that will make that better. And then, I don't know, something else happens. You just think, well, I'm just being irrational because now I'm trying to work and I've got a young family. And then something else happens. And before you know it, a year's gone. You just pop along, like, coping like that for a really long time. Well, I did. Yeah, so did I, yeah. And it's only with hindsight that you look back and go, oh, I've really diminished. I'm not the person I used to be. Definitely. That's exactly how I felt. Like looking back, I'm like, I really have become someone I'm not. You'd get sort of quite a lot of rage with the boys, wouldn't you? I mean, rage that you would try and sort of resist, I, I hasten to add, but you would often feel that you you were getting too cross with everyone and you'd feel upset then that you were getting cross with everyone. I remember us talking about that. And it was like I was getting so irrationally cross and I knew I was snapping and really escalating situations. But it's like someone knocked on the door and said, here's £100, just calm down and stop. I just couldn't. There's, I just couldn't control it. Or get on top of it. And it makes you feel guilty then, doesn't it? You feel like you're being a, a rubbish mum and you're failing everyone around you. Yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like I was just becoming, I think as Louise said, like it, you just keep bobbing along thinking, oh, it's because I'm tired, it's because I'm working and I've got lots of things going on at home and bobbing along. And before you know it, four years have gone by. And as you say, you look back and think, who am I? Who am I? <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Lou? Was it similar for you? Yeah, I think I had the rage less. For me, it was was a lot of brain fog. I mean, almost akin to feeling like I had early Alzheimer's some days. You know, I'd be standing in front and I I knew I could see the thing, you know, the object in my head. I knew I couldn't name like a coat hanger or something really simple. And repeatedly, repeatedly as well. And then you kind of think, but I'm not sleeping well. So it's concentration or it's lack of sleep. And I think, you know, again, as Lizzie was saying, it's just easy to sort of pass it off as something else. And it's only when I started looking at all the symptoms together and reading a bit more. I mean, the first time I reached out to, to the GP, you know, <laughs> she actually said to me, well, well, yeah, you're, you're 42. You're probably perimenopausal, like shrugged her shoulders, almost like get over it, sister. You know, what, what do you want me to say? And I was like, oh. Okay. Um, And then she said, you know, we can take the step of offering you HRT, but, you know, probably you should sort of make sure it is that, you know, we could maybe do a blood test. It was all very casual. 
But at least she was knowledgeable enough because so many people just get told at that age, no, go away, you're not, you're not menopausal enough. That's true. I guess that's true, yeah. But again, I can see that that is a bit, well, you're not giving me any decent answers. You're going, well, you can try it if you want. Well, it was, it was putting the ball in my court, which I know is an NHS thing. You know, I think the NHS is marvellous, but, you know, there's a lot of, well, what do you think? And it's like, well, you did seven years of training. Tell me what you think. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a trained medic. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like for you, Lou, as well, you had all the physical things. And then I think, obviously, you had the brain fog. But I do you remember you was getting the teary. I remember that was the real turning corner for you going to get some help. Because I remember you saying, I'm just really irrationally getting teary. Yeah, that's true. That being like, you're right, OK, so now that is just affecting my day to day. I can't be crying, literally, because I drop peas on the kitchen floor yeah yeah. And the broken sleep as well. I think that was a really, you know, the broken sleep was just awful. And waking up sort of feeling anxious, feeling on watch. It wasn't just waking up. It was waking up and almost being like a security guard, like something. I've got to be ready for something. It was very energised. Well, you felt something awful was going to happen. Yeah. And I guess, you know, uh, being through some things like my dad dying relatively suddenly and things that I guess you could attribute to that. But I think, you know, I'm relatively rational. I had some counselling. I think it was also like a state of because it would often come with feeling very hot as well and just feeling sort of, you know, I'd often feel like I had the energy to to run a marathon almost, but I was also tired at the same time. I used to get that quite a bit. But often at night, often specifically at night, so it was almost like the anxiety felt like it was fueling it, I think. It, it was bizarre and not something I'd had before. I also had a very... <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember, Lizzie, me telling you about how smell-wise I changed? Like some, Honestly, someone it smelled like someone had died down there, but only certain times of the month. That was one of my first symptoms too. It was just disgusting. I remember saying it to you and our other friends, there's four of us, saying, is anyone getting this kind of like someone's died? in the downstairs area it's gross (laughs) and and actually that stopped since I've been on the HRT that has stopped so that I I don't know if there's anything that medically backs that up but (laughs) I think it does I'm definitely fresher (laughs) (laughs) do you remember having two showers a day at one point I was like oh my god I feel like we should have been one because you got all the physical symptoms and I got all the mental symptoms. <laughs> and then you started getting the mental symptoms and then I felt like I was then getting the physical symptoms. But then you got very female symptoms and I got like growing a beard and losing my hair, like metamorphosizing into my husband. <laughs> sent me running to the doctors in the end. It is interesting what finally gets women through the GP, like this is my red line. Yeah, I think beards growing was my red line. Well, actually saying that, I'd been growing a beard for quite a long time, but I think it was, as Louise is saying, it's when everything starts to accumulate, you're a bit like enough is enough, especially when you hear success stories. Yeah, so you have just recently gone on HRT, haven't you, Lizzie? Yeah, I'm a month in. I absolutely love it. Love it. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> I can't believe I did. I suffered for so long. And so what are you on? So I opted, I've got the patch. So I wear the patch and change it Mondays and Thursdays. And then I take the tablet days 1 to 25 
have a three-day break. So does that break give you a three-day period then? It's meant to. It's my first month and it didn't fall in line with my natural cycle yet because I've got every single menopausal symptom you could pretty much tick, all bar I had a really regular period. I've got a marina call now, so I have no idea what my period is doing. But mine was regular as clockwork, but got less and less and got down to two days, whereas in my 20s, I used to have like five days of really hideous heavy bleeding. But I was told, oh, no, no, categorically told that's not menopause because it gets heavier as you come towards the menopause. That's not been true for me. I'm lighter. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, my periods were mucking up, but mine were heavier when I was younger. Oh, see, I had the opposite. Mine was starting to get heavier and I probably had quite light, normal periods when I was young, but mine started to get heavier. So this is also why it's such a difficult subject to pin down because every woman's experience is as different as they are. We all experience pregnancy and childbirth differently. We all experience periods differently. You know, and menopause is just the same. And so, Lou, how long have you been on HRT? So since October, and I'm on a the Everil 50 patch. The patch is constant. I change it twice a week. And then the progesterone tablet is 15 to 28 days. So do you do the 15 days on, 15 days off? Yes. I've only just started taking it properly. I had a bit of a, I don't know, I'm blaming the brain fog, but obviously we're still hanging around. I also slightly blame your GP for not actually telling you how you're meant to take it. Well, yes, because I didn't actually ever see anybody. And it was all like, oh, you won't get a repeat prescription without seeing anybody. And I thought actually it would be handy to see somebody, but I never saw anybody. But yes, and that has helped with the sleep. Although I do find that the tablet, I'm noticing now I'm taking it properly. It does make me sleep better, but I feel quite tired. Whereas I almost feel like if I listen to my body, I just want to be on the patch. But I know that's not allowed or you need to be protected with the the progesterone. But it's been great and I do feel great. But I have felt a bit more tired taking the tablet those days, 15 to 28. And then... the other days, do you feel yourself again? It lifts kind of after a few days. But I did ask for a tablet that helps with sleep and it has helped with sleep. But that sort of feeling a bit drowsy or sort of I feel a bit brain foggy with the tablet, I think. So I could ask for another one. You always suffered with insomnia, though. I remember you suffering badly when we first met in our 20s. (laughs) I did. Yeah. Although since children, I haven't. I think I'm just so grateful to be in bed and I'm so shattered. I don't suffer with it anymore, but I did for a long time. You're right. Children killed that. Yeah. No insomnia. It kind of did. It did. Where is my bed? (laughs) Yeah. So you two were also quite proactive about your lifestyle changes, though, weren't you? Because if you've only just started HRT, then you obviously spent a few years trying to deal with the symptoms through just lifestyle changes. So what did you both try? It was mostly supplements for me because I think it's fair to say I already was exercising and trying to sort of do a good sleep routine and those kind of things. I guess because I used to have insomnia, I know the sort of sleep stuff that helps. So definitely supplements, Magnesium I did find helpful and that did feel like it made a difference, particularly to sort of I was getting hip joint pain and I felt like that had made a difference. But really exercise and diet was already in place. I think it was more just sort of thinking, well, I'll just wait it out and see if it gets any worse or any better. Or, you know, I had about 12 weeks of counselling because I sort of thought, well, maybe some of the anxiety and the emotions are left over from, you know, COVID, my dad dying, then Rick's dad passed away. So there was other stuff going on in the family. But even that, it helped and I could feel it was helping but the symptoms didn't stop so I think when you've then exhausted all the other avenues and you think no I really have you know I'm eating fairly well I've got a good bedtime routine most 
days. I've done the supplements and okay, I can feel a little tiny bit of relief, but not enough. But yeah, I think it's fair to say, and Liz, you eat very well and you're very healthy and you definitely read up on lots of things. So I think even more so for Lizzie that she tried the non-HRT route. Yeah. So Louise and I obviously talk. I tried the magnesium too. I felt that really helped with my moods, actually. You also had aching joints as well, didn't you? That was my red line doctor. So that was more pronounced this year. Around Christmas, I had really bad hip pain. And that was right, I'm going to the doctors. That's it. That's like the final straw. But I do. There's a lady called Ella. She does the plant food. but I, So I don't follow that like absolutely to the tea. I read her cookbooks and I would say I probably do like 70-30 vegetarian eating really like that I felt more energized eating her foods um, feel more comfortable like Louise's window shoes I felt more comfortable there I don't do the tofu and I don't do all the dairy alternatives she does but I do a lot of the vegetarian recipes really really like her felt that definitely made a difference and I do pilates to help because you had a gymnastics background didn't you which is what you thought your joint pain was about yeah had the gymnastics background and I just just thought I mean periodically so I've had like backache and as you say like with my gymnastics and just being a mom and dashing around and constantly on my feet stood on a football sideline for most of my life (laughs) (laughs) just kept thinking it was that but do you know what having the HRT all of my hip pain's gone really that quickly within a month within a month that's unbelievable you see it does help and did it help you Lucy? yeah and I hadn't gone quite as health conscious as Lizzie, but I had made diet changes, things like pizza, you know, very carby things I noticed was not helping with indigestion. stuff. So I had made some diet changes and upped the fruit and veg a bit. So I definitely tried not maybe to, as much as Lizzie, but and I, but it's, it's not enough of a help. I could feel it helping a little bit, but it's like, you know, taking the edge off. If you're at 100%, it sort of gets you down to 85, 90. Well, that's not enough. <laughs> It's not really enough day to day. I kept sort of thinking if I didn't work and if I didn't have kids and if I was sort of single and if I just sort of, you know, all these things, basically, if I lived in a box on my own, I'd probably be managing. But actually, how much of your life can you reduce back? And really, why should you? And I think that one of the good things about nowadays, everyone can Google things and we're all much more health aware. I think it's great that everyone tries things themselves and sort of, you know, what can I do about it before I reach out to the GP? Because it's also easier to get into the Willy Wonka factory, isn't it? And they're getting a GP appointment. So you try other things, but then at the same time, you know, it has to get to a point where you say, well, no. And I think it almost encourages you to think, well, I, I can do this myself. And I don't think with this often, I mean, I know it works for some people, but the majority of people, it seems it's not enough to go your own route. HRT makes such a profound difference if you can take it. Yeah. How quickly did you find that it was helping and what symptoms did it help most with? I noticed within three to four weeks that I felt, I almost felt like better. And I sort of thought, oh, am I sort of, I was second guessing myself. You know, I I feel really good, but is it because this has happened or that's happened? The sleep for me, and that was the biggest issue for me was the broken sleep. And that was an improvement after three to four weeks. Feeling less dog tired, you know, just feeling sort of less like I'd run a marathon when I hadn't, that sort of 
happen quite quickly, I'd say within a month. And yeah, feeling less overwhelmed. I kept feeling overwhelmed. I kept thinking, well, I can't possibly do those two things in a day. And it was things like that where I think actually you do three or four things in a day before. So that really is a big change. I was feeling overwhelmed by things and sort of paring down. And that, I think, changed. And I don't know, maybe there is a bit of a placebo where you think, well, I'm feeling better and it must be that. Because they say three months. And actually, I think we both, Lizzie and I, and I think you in, didn't you, found that quicker than that. Way quicker than that for me. I mean, I felt like a cloud was lifted after like three days, literally. I was like, oh, oh, that's better. (laughs) Wow. I know exactly how you feel. I was the same. I think three weeks in, I didn't say quite immediately, but I'd say about three weeks, I just felt lighter. I was just like, oh my gosh. And it's just like, you know, I can laugh again at things that would have easily, you know, with the boys and things that go on in my house, things that would have really irritated me. And I literally couldn't find the joy in. I was like, oh yes, okay, yeah, I can laugh at that now. It's not going to weigh on me and drag me down and send me into raging around the house. Well, that was one of the things on that menopausal checklist that first shot me, lost of joy I was like oh that's what it is because I remember (laughs) saying to my husband I'm just not finding any joy in the boys what's wrong with me it's also during lockdown as well yeah god what a combination young children menopause and lockdown my god (laughs) it's so bizarre as well because part of me I wish I'd have I never didn't go on HRT because I was worried about the side effects. Things like that don't sort of weigh on my mind. I like to be informed about them, but it's not, wouldn't ever prevent me from taking it. It was more that I couldn't be doing with the Willy Wonka ticket, trying to get the doctor's appointment. And then the whole thing of sitting in front of someone trying to plead my case of why I wanted to go on HRT. That's what prevented me going. Now that's interesting, isn't it? And did you struggle with your GP when you finally went? No, but then who's to say? So I would say I definitely live with symptoms. Three years, I would probably say. So who's to say if I went when I was 43, I might have had a different story because the GP, when I finally went this year, you know, turning 46, she said when I booked the appointment, she said I could have guessed what you was going to walk through the door and talk about. I think being the other side of 45 makes quite a big difference. Yeah. And then I've got a friend at work who I was really trying to see sell HRT to who's the same age as us Lou she's 46 and she's really struggling and I was kept saying please you must go honestly you'll feel so much better and she's having a torrid time her doctor has dismissed her she got sent for blood tests then got sent the results through for the blood test with no consult about them you know she's got a face full of spots she feels so tired she's just really struggling and doctors are just dismissing her and it shouldn't be a post code lottery this is what I find extraordinary I get that everyone's different but why is it not more uniform it shouldn't be some people are offered a blood test some people aren't how is it so I don't understand why it's not more uniform it doesn't make sense and also it's so dependent on your actual GP you can get some very old school GPs that just go I will not prescribe you HRT and you go well actually I'm probably more knowledgeable about it now don't they get like an hour of training or something I mean that's got to change I've heard GPs say that the the training is absolutely minimal but I think when I went at 42 and then I obviously went back at 45 maybe it's a coincidence but it was a very different approach and a different attitude and maybe that was because I was 45 possibly by then actually my GP they have a kind 
of, she's a nurse, but they call her an HRT sort of expert. You know, she's the person to talk to. They say, oh, you need to, you must speak to Susie. You've got to speak to Susie. And actually, she does seem very knowledgeable. When I was 42, that wasn't an option. So maybe things are changing. But again, it's just a lottery of your GP, which it shouldn't be. I had the same Lou. So I went to the GP and she took note of my symptoms, said it sounds like you're going to need HRT. And she referred me to a HRT nurse in my practice who was amazing. So when I went to the second appointment, it was with the HRT nurse who's a specialist and she was just amazing, explained it all, all the different ways you can take it. We discussed what was best for me. She was just really good. And I go back in three months to talk to her again to see how it's all going. But yeah, my friend has, they've been told they've not got a HRT nurse at her uh, practice nothing unfortunately having now to make another doctor's appointment and start to sort of say it's affecting my mental health when really in our heart of hearts it's not but if she, as soon as she said that now they're suddenly saying oh okay oh now they're taking it seriously Ugh. it's just outrageous that you have to play that card yeah for them to start taking you seriously yeah i take both your points that it might have been an age thing but do you think you were more knowledgeable you'd spent those three years reading up on it so you could go in and go actually i want x y and z rather than going in and going I don't know what's wrong with me. Yes. And I think I was more insistent. I knew that it was that and I wasn't going to be sort of fobbed off. I think that's true. Having done a bit of research and people talking about it more, that definitely made a difference. And also, you know, I've had people in my line of work that have been offered. They've gone specifically because they think they have menopausal symptoms. It sounds very much like they do. And they've been offered antidepressants that I've had three women that I would say questionably, you know, really didn't want antidepressants. I would have argued that it wasn't really the right avenue for them at that time. And it does make you wonder if it's because it's easier, cheaper, you know, I don't know. Is it cheaper? I don't know. You would probably know better than us. I think it is. Yeah. And also because there isn't a shortage you know there's become a shortage and I think you know there isn't a shortage of antidepressants so I guess that's another factor possibly I don't know I agree my friend so she did go when we were first very first starting to get symptoms and she had really really like quite bad rage really affecting her and really affecting her mental health and like that she was really tearing just becoming someone she wasn't and so she must have gone right at the beginning when we were like 42 and she got put on antidepressants and took them and obviously it was right at the beginning when we weren't really clued up about perimenopause and starting to do our research but she just took them and it did make an improvement but then got told she couldn't be on them long term and then had to do a great big involved thing about coming off them she's in a right mess that's what i was going to say antidepressants are so difficult to get off the idea that you set someone down that course how are you ever meant to get off that yeah it should be a last resort really i think she's off them finally but i mean 46 so it's been a big couple of years of quite involved yeah and she's just had a bit of a tory time from the antidepressant point of view just being given them but as you said i think leaving it and when you do a bit of research not only do you go in a bit more empowered so when i went to the doctor i felt like i could talk about say 20 symptoms whereas i think if i'd have gone in the early stages you might have only spoke about one and so from the GP's point of view, I can see how it would be then 
again difficult to suggest HRT when you're talking about one but because I'd done so much research I was like you know I feel low I'm irritable I'm not sleeping my hair's falling out my hips hurt and then it built a bit more of a better picture. Both of you were very definitely perimenopausal symptoms did either of you have night sweats and hot flushes? No this is funny actually because when I would talk to and I have to be careful a bit sort of being a therapist that I don't sort of talk too much about physical symptoms and if I do I say obviously you know I'm not a GP but this is sort of something to think about and I'd anyone under sort of 45 even maybe 47 48 they'd say well I'm not getting hot flushes I'd hear that so much I'm not getting hot flushes and I don't have you know say brain fog or they'd come up with a couple of the more sort of known obvious symptoms and so they'd have kind of passed it off as not being that and I think it is the perimenopause that people still are catching up with definitely because I think GPs especially if you go in going I'm having hot flushes and I'm having night sweats even if you were 42 I think they'd go oh right that's the menopause whereas if you go in saying I'm low mood I'm feeling overwhelmed you know it could be such a huge myriad of things and that must be a difficult call to make just before I went I was just getting the night sweats and it was bizarre because you don't get like a starting to get hot you just wake up wet just like oh my god I'm soaked so I was just starting to get those and they have gone have they right that's good and both of you suffered quite badly with bad periods I think Lizzie you were saying that yours was quite a new thing Yes. Again, one of the things I did before I went to the GP, I started, there's a really good app I really recommend to everyone, even when you're on HIT called Moody. It's really good at mapping where you are in your cycle. If you have a really regular cycle, which I did, and it would tell you week by week how you are affected by foods and how you're feeling and what to expect because I was then starting to get like, when I ovulated halfway through, it's almost like a period pains for three days of ovulation and then I'd get really bad PMT the week building up to my periods and then I was starting to get quite heavy periods and that probably has happened pretty much since I was 40. I was getting affected again by certain like your sugars so I don't really eat and I'm lucky because I don't crave lots of sugar stuff. I could be affected by sugars. But I have been too actually. Sugar's been a trigger for me as well yeah and I don't think that's known about. Really? In what way? Um, Itchy. That was another symptom. Very itchy and I thought it was because I've got polycystic ovaries although I've never had apart from heavy periods I've never had any of the symptoms that you have with polycystic ovaries so I've not suffered much with them but yeah I find the same as Lizzie's saying sugar if I had a lot of sugar I'd be itchier and again that sort of energy but sort of fake energy yeah. you know wired yeah wired exactly a yeah, wired energy and that d- did seem to be I'd noticed that with sugar as well and I like my chocolate and sugar stuff <laughs> don't we all <laughs> even now it doesn't agree with me like it did I mean I'd sort of go through the pain of it <laughs> <laughs> push on through <laughs> stop the itchy skin push on through through that glass of wine. <laughs> Just not the Cadbury's and the wine at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And that was the other thing. It was alcohol really affects you, I think, in your cycle. Because one day I literally drink like a bottle and be like, probably drive a car and be fine. You obviously don't do that though, do you, Lizzie? Don't drive a car after a bottle of wine. No. <laughs> 
the other days I'd take two sips and be absolutely plastered. Yeah, I've had that too. Even on the HRT, actually, I can notice that certain times of the month I can drink and I feel fine. And other times I have a glass of wine and I can feel it's not going, or whatever, not even just wine, and I can feel it's not agreeing with me. The nurse did say, though, with the HRT, that's one thing she did warn, that you might have to watch a bit of drinking. Oh, really? Oh, really? I don't know why, if it, because if you if it affects you more, if it, I don't know. Well, that's interesting. That is interesting. I was certainly not, not warned of that. No, I just find that I can't do the hangovers anymore, but I put that half down to kids as well. It's just it's kids and age. <laughs> kids and age, exactly. Yeah. And so are you both looking forward to post-menopausally then? Because if you've had this sort of slightly torrid time with your, you know, cycles and your hormones during your periods, then post-menopausally, surely it'll be brilliant to see the back of them. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm quite, I feel like I'm quite informed about perimenopausal, but I'm a bit scared because doesn't um, menopause then all of your hormones are shot? I feel like I'll just be a blob on the floor. I'm shredded. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's now two separate things in my head, which I know it isn't but I tell you what I do sort of one of the things that put me off or why I sort of held off with HRT and I don't know what you both think about this and my mum I mean in the 70s and 80s I mean my mum wouldn't take HRT because of the links to cancer and now if you read the stats it's fairly low level sort of risk and I don't know if that's changed or if that was her just being quite sort of health anxious which she she can be but I feel like you know I read somewhere that oh you know if you're only on it for five years as soon as you come off it any risks do reduce and I, I've got my godmother is still on HRT she's 76 surely she can't need HRT I don't know maybe she does I sort of feel like you know is it am I going to now need it forever in the way that I have conversations with people worrying they'll need antidepressants forever and I know they're very different things obviously but it's that thing of well how long will I need it for and when do I know I don't need it it's that sort of question mark I have yeah, no, I must say, I question the same thing. When will you know when to style it down? Oh, well, I've been advised. So I have another one of my things I did, like, holistically, is I go and see a lady who does all, like, reflexology and massage. She's amazing. So I still see her for massage. And she is on HRT. And she said... When you start to feel, she said, you'll know, like how we discussed at the very beginning, all of that, you know, low energy and irritability. She said, when all of that starts creeping back in, because apparently I think you and I, Louise, are on the very similar milligrams. You can then start upping your milligrams because you have a bigger patch and you take a, um, a tablet that's a higher milligram. And she said, and you might need a boost. She had to reevaluate all hers about a year and a half down the line. So you might almost need more because the Everil patches come at 100, I think, and I'm on 50, yeah. Yeah, no, I think 100 is the most you can do. You do need to tweak it. But actually you should, by rights, as your hormone levels level out, as you go through the menopause and out the other side, then you should be able to reduce it again then need it less right I think so but again my HRT nurse was amazing explaining all the risk apparently we've all got the risk of having cancers and she said by taking HRT you're literally increasing it by something like two percent more it is one to two percent I think isn't it Mm. it is a tiny increase and actually the thing that needs to be shouted from the rooftops are the health benefits to women of HRT, cardiovascular, osteoporosis, Alzheimer's and dementia. They're now looking into that. So actually there are huge health benefits. So I get I get your godmother who's still on it at 76. It's a lifestyle thing, isn't it? 
But I think that they should talk more about the health benefits. And I think that considering, you know, I mean, obviously all women are different, but in the 70s, 80s, around that time, if um, imagine if my mum was sort of a bit health anxious, other women were, and, and that's the generation we've listened to. So I guess there also needs to be, I think, more discussion about how small the kind of increase of risk is, because I think that certainly a lot of people think, oh, well, it's not a good thing to be on. I hear that a lot. It's not a good thing to be on long term. And it's like, well, based on what? Based on sort of old wives' tales or things that your mum or aunt has said to you. So I think that might be a reason why people hang back as well. Outdated information, yeah. And the HRT that they now prescribe is completely different. Now it's all plant-based. Everything's gone plant-based, including HRT. Everything's (laughs) plant-based. So just to finish up, what do you wish you'd been told before you started all of this, both of you? Or what would you pass on to people just starting? Almost keeping a diary of symptoms, trying to recognise, you know, look at what the symptoms are. There's a lot more than you realise. I think, you know, the cliches of the hot sweats and the maybe the sleepless nights, but being sort of clued up about what the symptoms are and not sort of being undermined or not sort of second guessing yourself and attributing it to something else because life is busy and you have kids and you have a job. You know, it's almost that thing of, well, no, I know that I'm not feeling right. Trust in that. And I suppose that also does come from, you know, when you talk to to friends or other women, you know, you get uh, reassured. So I guess talking about it is definitely key. But just having the courage of your convictions that you don't feel right and it isn't, you know, to be passed off as other things, really. Yeah. Knowing what is your baseline. And I think as well, just be aware. So when I've spoken to, I've got quite a lot of friends around here. Obviously, the boys, I've got the sort of 15, 14 and then Edward's 11. So I've got friend groups that are as old as Henry's friend groups and I've got a slightly younger mum so I think so mums that have sort of turned 40 I've not warned them but sort of said things can change around 40 and be mindful that not to live with things that might be changing and sort of to say that perimenopausal is a thing so you think about menopause but you don't think about something that can happen before the menopause so that that is actually a thing and as Louise said definitely keep the symptoms that there's such a huge array of symptoms and then I would definitely say don't live with things so how I sort of live with irritability for so long and sort of passing it all off as a phase yeah and the sleepless nights oh I'm just going to live with that and then and sort of don't live with it that there are things out there that can help and being less stoical I think women often very stoical and just sort of you know without getting my you know taking my bra off and sort of throwing it above my head and being sort of well, go women you know we are quite stoical we look after other people often you know I know men do too but you know we tend to be in those those roles and so you're just not you are on the back burner assuming you've got even if you haven't got kids you've got a career you know there's just not time to think about these things and I think it is sort of stoicism can be sort of you know a negative in that sense yeah you don't put yourself high enough up your own agenda yeah there's often not the time is there there's just not the time to sort of think about it and that's it's almost like the symptoms themselves go against you identifying the symptoms I mean that's the irony isn't it that's the irony of it but it's so funny because some of the symptoms I think make life harder so I think obviously I didn't I started with all as I said like the mood and sort of mind symptoms and I think when I look back like if I'd have had help maybe earlier then I wouldn't 
that have spent so many years like ranting and raging around the house and it probably would have made life so much easier because we have got like football schedule and school and if I wasn't so ranting and storming and doing all of that that would have all gone much easier but I think we tend to blame ourselves though as well don't we we tend to blame ourselves for everything that goes wrong in the sort of family especially situations like oh if I'd been better then everything would have been better It's so funny, though, because you go through all this and I really do feel like I definitely changed. Obviously, when I decided to have HRT, I had a conversation with my husband and Louise will laugh because she knows him. And I was like, I've got HRT. You're going to see me. I'll be back. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to know I really haven't been myself for like a good five years. And he went, there's nothing wrong with you, Barb's. Like you're absolutely fine <laughs> and then bizarrely we celebrated our 18 years this weekend and we went to a spa and it was lovely we just had time the two of us to chat and, and because I do feel like I'm a little bit back to me I said to him did you notice anything like I really feel like much more myself and he went well you've been slightly less snappy with the boys <laughs> typical man I don't know whether to thank him or punch him in the face <laughs> I just want to say thank you both so much. It's been amazing. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. You're welcome. It's been great. Next time, I'm chatting about the importance of movement with menopause personal trainer Nikki Faldo, about how we should shift our focus from weight loss and looking younger to a mindset where the goal is being more mobile, feeling stronger and being healthier to power through this next stage of our lives, both physically and mentally. If you want to be more Orca, head to bemoreorcapod.co.uk. For all the latest on what's coming up, I've cherry-picked articles to keep you informed so you don't have to sift through the news. And become a member. Tell me what matters to you and what questions you want answering. Help shape the pod and help other women just like you so we never have to feel like we're going it alone again. And if you've liked this episode, please subscribe as it helps with those pesky algorithms and lets others find us and become part of our pod. And follow me at b.more.orca for my no-filter menopause diary. Listener.